0: Hi, I'm Dr. Mark Blumenstein from Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm here today with Dr. Josh Johnson from Atlanta, Georgia. We are gonna be talking about aqueous dry eye treatment recommendations. Are you excited about that, Josh?
1: Yes, what about aqueous deficient?
0: Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that. Um, you know, we can get into it if you want to. Um, but literally what I wanna know first and foremost, you know, there's 33 million Americans that supposedly have this disease state that we call dry eye. And I think for all of us, most of us as optometrists, our first line of treatment is an artificial tear. So, when you are looking at treating patients, you know, is artificial tears your first
1: line of treatment still? For me, yeah, it's first line for the patient. They've tried it, they're doing OTC stuff, they're self treating, but when they come to see someone like us, we're going to give them a prescription medication to suppress that inflammation, sort of the root cause of all this. So,
0: do you, so I don't particularly consider an artificial tear a treatment. I consider it that palliative, momentary sense of relief. Um, do you try to differentiate the different tears for your patients? Do you tell them when they should be using it? Or how, how do you, talk to me about the conversation you would have with the patient about, in and around artificial tears. Good tiers.
1: question. You know, I want them on something that's good, something we recommend as physicians. Like a name brand. Uh, correct, you know, not something with a lot of BAK or preservatives, but, We're going to switch them. I really just tell them, do what you like. I'm going to start something different and we're going to change the game. You're here. You're not having improvement with your symptoms. We're going to get you a prescription medicine that's really going to work to treat this and the root cause, working towards a cure. We know there is no cure, but we're going to give you something that will work towards a cure.
0: Oh, that's great. I mean, I also like the uh, digital underground reference, do what you like, um, because I am a big Humpty Hump fan as well. Um, So excellent point. But you had mentioned preservative free. And I feel that the biggest challenge sometimes we have as doctors is, you know, when when do you tell a patient, okay, now you need to use a preservative-free drop as opposed to just using one that has a more mild or a better type of preservative?
1: Yeah, you know, we we shift to preservative-free when we're doing more than four times a day. But we know there's about 1,500 different proteins in the natural tear film. If we're doing more than four times a day, sometimes that can wash away what Mother Nature gave us. You know, all these mucins, um, you know, all those proteins we have there, epithelial growth factor, um, everything we have there, we need. We don't want to wash that away with an artificial tear. That, that's a really good point. I mean, you don't. I, I
0: don't think we oftentimes think of the fact that it's like, well you know, it's an inexpensive alternative. Patients don't seem to be bothered by using tears. Oh, you're doing it every minute. You do you, boo, keep doing that. But you're right, I mean, it sometimes can have a a negative effect and oftentimes, you know, the preservative itself could be causing problems too. So in your particular case, you look at a patient, how often they're using it, will determine whether or not using a preservative free.
1: Yeah, typically. So, you know, if they're using more than twice a day, we'll talk about prescriptions, uh, really therapeutics that work better. Mm-hmm. And if you're using it more than four times a day, we'll go towards a preservative free option there.
0: Great. So Josh, you're talking about preservative free drops and have you utilized any of the new type of preservative free in the bottle? Um, treatment options, or actually I said not really treatment, uh, artificial tear options.
1: Sure. Yeah, I love it. There's new technology. Patients prefer that, and I think it's a nice option. There's a lot of new therapeutics coming to market. Still over the counter, but they, you know, patients oftentimes enjoy that bottle versus preserved is which we know as physicians can cause issues with chronic use, these sort of things.
0: Yeah, I, I, I kind of feel oftentimes that using a bottle, having more around, instead of having those small vials around, uh, makes it easier for patients, makes it more convenient. And I think the newer bottles that they have out, some of the newer technology um, has made it a lot easier for patients to be able to participate in that. Because I do think cost also becomes a, an issue when you start talking about preservative-free. You, you work around a lot of cataract and refractive surgery patients. Is there a difference between you know tiers or how you recommend patients pre- or post-surgical?
1: Again, just steering them towards good products. We don't want them using things that have a lot of preservatives or inferior products there. Preservative free. If they're doing frequently, the bottle's a nice option, as you mentioned. Right. We want them on something to give them some, uh, you know, temporary relief, but really addressing it with inflammation treatments, that sort of thing. Um, I think everyone's most dry patients I see preoperatively or even after surgery, they're on artificial tears, but most often we give them something else on top of that as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I do the same thing too. We just want them to be conscious of the fact that you know you just had surgery and that surface really needs to kind of stay in that kind of homeostasis and anything we do to help them. Which also brings up another kind of new opportunity, a new technology, which is using neurostimulation um, to kind of create that basal tear. And you had so accurately described the fact that a natural tear is not just you know aqueous. There's proteins and, and hormones and anti-inflammatory components, all the, the good stuff that we try to draw out of our serum and put back into our tears. Um, Have you started utilizing or have you used the neurostimulation in your your practice?
1: Sure, you know, as you and I both did neurostimulation many years ago with the device, right, we have now, from Michael Ackerman uh, that developed uh, true tear and we have neurostimulation, which led to development of, of course, what's out there now with the nasal spray and, of course, activating the similar pathway, the trigeminal nerve, activating that sort of normal parasympathetic tear production, right? Can we help the body produce more natural tears to get more of what mother nature intended us to have, whether it's the aqueous layer or even gobble cells releasing mucin, and of course, um, all the different components that are there it's been nice to have another option. For me, it's been fun, exciting. A lot of our chronic dry patients want other things. They may need more than one therapy, so it's nice to have. So, so I didn't mean to cut
0: you off, but I just did. You said <laughs> chronic patients. So are you waiting to use this on your kind of like end-stage patients, or where, where does this fit into your practice?
1: For me, in my clinical practice, most of my folks are chronic dry sufferers. So we've had a small amount that are naive to therapy that actually don't want to use drops so this has been a nice option a drop free option there for younger patients that don't want to mess up their makeup that sort of thing but just the majority of what i'm seeing day to day they're already on x y and z they're still having breakthroughs they're having issues with symptoms this has been another pathway to help them produce more natural tears to give them some symptomatic improvement there yeah i think
0: i think it's exciting the notion that it's like we tell our patients keep your eyes lubricated and then we tell them to use something that's artificial You know, and and yet at the same time, it's like we all know that artificial flavors and anything artificial isn't always great for our body. Why would we think it's great for the eyes? Now you have an opportunity to basically tell patients, look, I'm gonna help you stimulate the production of your real natural tears. And I think that's exciting. And to me, I, I utilize it from the perspective of, look, if you don't want to keep putting a tear in your eye, here's a way to basically stimulate that, that pathway throughout the day. Twice a day you do it, you know, you put it in your nose and, and make it work. Um, I think patients are excited about it.
1: It's been fun. It works quickly, you know, we've seen that in the clinic. Um, nice, you know, no real big side effects. It's, it's, it's a nice option for patients yeah. that need more, or want more, or try different things. So we, we've talked about tears, and we've talked about just you know kind of utilizing
0: utilizing them as palliative. But you had said early on in this conversation that there is an inflammatory component, and I think there's on one hand we want to produce real natural tears, but if there's inflammation um, that's kind of inhibiting it or you know stopping our patients from getting the best quality of tears. How do you talk to your patients about the fact that, you know, this disease state, which we've labeled as something as, oh, it's just dry eye. How do you describe it as more something sinister, as an inflammatory disease state?
1: I think education is key in just talking to your patients about that. You know, patients understand the word inflammation because they perceive redness on their eye. Redness, irritation, burning is inflammation. So we talk about artificial tears. That's gonna give you some temporary relief, but really not addressing inflammation that's why we're going to prescribe something to address that hopefully and again decrease inflammation help you produce more natural tears ultimately working towards a cure so josh when do you bring
0: that into the conversation because you had talked about signs. You said, you know, when your eyes are red or if you see maybe some blood vessels on your uh, on your lid margin or, you know, patients maybe they came into your practice and, you know, dry eye clinic, I know you have a, a specialty dry eye clinic, so they've already seen other doctors, but a lot of us see patients for their first appointment and they don't come in saying, I have symptoms they don't necessarily see their signs but you know that their eyes are inflamed so how would you tell me somebody who's just like yeah I'm living my life you know uh, that I have inflammation and it's something that we have to, to think about treating.
1: Yeah. You know, there are two subsets. One is that patient that's really symptomatic there. That's easy, right? But right. the asymptomatic patient, they may not know they're having issues. We can see staining on the cornea that may be limiting the vision. It may not be limiting the vision. We know there's fluctuation in the tear film. They can have fluctuating vision or maybe they're not 20, 20, right? right. Um, vision becomes an easy diagnostic test to help patients. There, um, blinking all the things they may not perceive as burning or dryness we'll talk about why we're going to treat them and diagnose that. I
0: think, you know, I'm, what I'm gaining from what you're telling me is that you give them a, what's in it for them, you know, what's in it for you to start managing this inflammation is maybe being on a computer longer, or maybe the things that you thought were, were great, but they weren't as great, which is why you're sitting in my chair in the first place. Cause if it was, you wouldn't be here and we both know that. So, so we have different ways of addressing inflammation from a chronic standpoint. Um, you know do you uh do you utilize you know the different cyclosporins, um, whether it be point zero five percent or point zero nine percent um, you know I think there's even a point one percent cyclosporin coming across the border how How do you talk to patients about you know starting them on a treatment regimen?
1: Sure you know it's really that that discussion you're using. Artificial tears more than twice a day. You're not getting the relief. I'm seeing clinical issues that are worrying me. Potentially this is gonna be a progressive issue. You're symptomatic. We're gonna start a prescription. Ultimately, this will suppress inflammation, help your body produce more natural tears. We now have three FDA approved options to do that. Um, It's nice to have multiple options there, but 0.05% cyclosporine, 0.09% very tolerable efficacious there, um, helps our patients, right? It Puts them on a journey working towards that cure, Lafitagrass as well. So we have three options, which is nice.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think also too, unfortunately for a lot of us clinicians, it's also dictated by insurance and what, you know, insurances will allow us to treat. But to me, you know, getting them to know that we have to do something and, you know, as, as you had stated before, you know, the inflammation can affect things in a lot of different ways. and. I think, you know, this uh, proactive approach before we start to see those tremendous symptoms, before patients, you know, we're we're, we're working backwards, and I think it's easier to work forward, especially when we have such great options.
1: Yeah, I love catching that naive-to-therapy patient that's young because they'll respond quickly. You'll have these raving fans that come back to six to eight weeks later saying they're feeling a lot better. That's not the majority of what we see. You know, it's that 65, 70, 75-year-old patient We may start therapy. You know, it's going to be a little bit slower there to catch and reverse that disease state. But it's nice to actually do something, implement treatment, and then hopefully reverse that course of disease. Yeah, then you just miss the Elliot, drop it, flip it, and
0: reverse it. You're just full of lyrical references. I love it. Something else that I think that we know, all of us, is that you know we want to talk inflammation. We have these these chronic patients. We know that they're doing you know a lot of things. Uh, I guess throughout the the their day. But sometimes patients will get exacerbations or they'll get what we call flares. And you know is that something you're seeing in your practice?
1: Absolutely. You know, my business, if you will, doubles in November through kind of January, February in Atlanta, where I am, that's going to be the heaters are coming on, low humidity. um, We see that seasonal flare with allergies as well. So it's real, right? We have chronic, safe therapeutics to help patients that sort of steady state, helping them. But we're going to have flares that maybe four times a year, maybe five times a year, maybe twice a year, but it's nice to give something that's a little bit more potent corticosteroid there to control that inflammation, help these flares. Induction therapy rescue therapy, but flares is definitely a common thing we see So do you preempt that because for me
0: what I've seen in practice especially in and around screen time? I mean you, we all have been and there isn't a patient that walks into my practice and I don't care how old they are or How young they are they are on a monitor. They're on a phone, you know, and if they're not on it They're thinking of being on it I mean, you know, they're jonesing to get on it while they're in the exam line, which is better wondering, hold on a second, can I just check my Insta account? No. And to me, you know, what I, what I try to do is let patients know that these are the times when they may have these flares and we may have to treat that differently. Do you proactively um, give them an opportunity to treat that or do you wait until they're symptomatic? I mean, how would you address those flares?
1: You know, we give them, now we have an FDA-approved option for flares and treat that, and that bottle size is pretty big, right? We can do this four times a day for two weeks. We can do it off-label, short-term, or, you know, maybe a little bit longer in some cases. We want to monitor IOP to make sure that's okay. We see, in our practice, steroid use goes up during the winter. Again, low humidity, heaters are on, and then, of course, during spring there. But we all have those patients that get that flare here and there, and it's nice to have a bottle size where they can use that. Twice a day, four times a day, whatever they need to get through those periods where they have these flares. Yeah,
0: I think I think one of the greatest assets that we can do for our patients because I mean, let's be honest, eighty-five percent of all comprehensive eye exams go through optometrists. I mean, ninety more than ninety percent of all contact lens exams. We're seeing patients, and as you know, you kept saying the naive patient. I mean, we're seeing them as, as optometrists. We're seeing them in our chair, and we. I think it's it's incumbent upon us to let them know we know what's going to happen to you. We've seen this. It's, you know, it's the uh, tale as old as time. And more importantly is to be able to say, look, we now have options to help you, whether it be talking about those preservative free bottles or whether talking about neurostimulating to make tears or chronic inflammation, but even, you know, the flares that your patients are going to be having. So, you know, Dry eye right now, I think we have so many opportunities to help our patients, it's really just a matter of talking to them. I'm gonna leave you with one more question. Is there ever a day that you see patients where you don't talk to them about the quality of their tears or talk to them about their ocular surface?
1: No, it's just the most common thing we see, right? Whether you're doing vital dyes, lysamine green or fluorescein, or just visual fluctuation, keeping it simple, um, it's it's an everyday thing, right? Yeah. If you look at the data, there's such a, a large amount of patients suffering from these things. It's not sight-threatening, but it's very symptomatic and can be a nuisance for patients. There, so it's it's multiple prescription prescriptions, multiple times a day, uh, doing that to help patients for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah, great point. I mean, it's not a either-or. It's we got to deal with the flares. Here's an opportunity. You need some relief throughout the day. Here's an artificial tear. You have chronic inflammation. Here's another drop twice a day. And I think it's really just it's how we talk to our patients and let them know, you know, what the effects it's gonna have on their vision.
1: Yeah, it's not that simple, right? There's not a one drop. Um, ulti- ultimately, we need many different therapeutics. It's nice to have options there. We're gonna have patients with episodic flares. Now we have treatment for that. Uh, chronic therapy for this disease state. So it's nice to have everything we have out there these days. Great. Well, thanks for
0: your expertise. And uh, if you get a chance, you know, digital underground as uh, Josh recommended, do what you like. So thanks everybody.